Sports, politics, life. B Stock Electronics Outlet Store presents Kevin Keatsman Has Issues online at bstock.net. I remember watching the Super Bowl when I was a teenager, 17 or 18 years old, finishing up high school. And they promoted on the Super Bowl that this new show was going to be debuting on NBC. At the time, NBC Sports was the biggest sports television entity in America. It had the AFC, which had all the exciting young quarterbacks and stuff playing. And it was a, a very interesting time to be a sports fan. And I'll, all I ever dreamed of was working at an NBC station or for NBC Sports or whatever. And I remember them promoting this new show called Cheers. And they said, it's groundbreaking. It's different. There was not much in those days. This would have been the very early 1980s. There wasn't very much uh, adult culture on television. All the shows were kind of cookie-cutter little shows. We, we had Happy Days in the 70s, which was a retro throwback to the 50s. People were, you know, everything was, there, there was no alcohol in these shows. The only shows that had any alcohol in them were like the Sunday night mystery movies, Columbo or something, the bad person, the person who committed the crime that Columbo was trying to figure out would occasionally pour themselves a glass of scotch and a drink or something like that. But you didn't see a lot of that on television. Television was very pure, although it was odd because I remember growing up that everybody on TV and in the movie smoked, which we don't see now. It's, it's completely changed. But it was relatively controversial, not many people talking about this on this day, that when the television sitcom Cheers came along, it was showing really good, normal, fun people that you'd like to be friends with hanging out at a bar and drinking all the time. So when the show started, the concept of the show being in the bar in and of itself was a little different. It wasn't that there weren't bars on television or things hadn't happened before, but the entire show would be set in a bar. And I remember it being promoted as sort of a groundbreaking series that this one is different. And I don't think at the time, I guess maybe my age, I thought, well, it's different because it's in a bar and everybody in there is drinking. And that's, you know, different, certainly for for primetime television. But what they meant was it was in some way a different kind of sitcom or a different kind of show. And boy, Cheers was that. It was a few years into Cheers before Kirstie Alley debuted on Cheers. Shelley Long played the co-lead with Ted Danson of Cheers, and after a few years felt like she was being typecast, wanted to go off and do movies, and she left the show to pursue other avenues of acting. Didn't work out great for her after leaving Cheers. In hindsight, she probably should have stayed, but for the sitcom itself, it was a wonderful shot in the arm to have Kirstie Alley join the cast. Kirstie Alley is one of us. She's from Wichita. She went to the University of Kansas. She left Kansas for Hollywood and didn't have much acting experience. And she joined the cast of Cheers and very quickly, within three or four years, won an Emmy for Best Leading Actress in a sitcom on primetime television. She wound up winning two Emmys. She was a terrific comic foil. She will not be mistaken as one of the great actresses of all time, you know, of, of dramatic movies or Oscars or things like that. But Kirstie Alley played a character, the bar manager on Cheers, that everyone loved. She was really, really good at it, and America fell in love with her, and the series went on for years and years and years. It was on for 11 years. It went from the early 80s into the, like, 90s. Long, long-running television series, extremely successful. I'm surprised with all the reruns and things that are on cable and stuff today that there aren't a lot of reruns of Cheers on. I would watch some of those, and maybe this will bring some of them back, as Kirstie Alley has died at the age of 71, 
of a very short battle with cancer, apparently, according to your family. So this must have gone very, very quickly. The larger point here is now what is happening in her death. And I know that's why you turn to this podcast, because I see things differently than a lot of people. And I want to celebrate and be respectful of Kirstie Alley and her life and her contributions to all of our lives, if you're as old as I am or, or close to as old as I am. Maybe you remember watching Cheers and enjoying this show and know the wonderful work she did. She went on to be in other shows after that that I never really saw. And there were a couple of movies that she made. John Travolta was a friend of hers. She made movies with John Travolta. And he reached out and was very sweet to her and put a beautiful picture of her on Twitter or social media. It might have been Instagram and said this was truly one of the special relationships of my life, knowing Kirstie Alley, and was wonderful to her. So was Tim Allen, and some others were. But then there were, then there were the condolences and the we miss you, Kirstie, things that, that I don't, they, they just don't fit. And maybe this is just uniquely Hollywood. And I'm probably picking on one person, and that's going to be Jamie Lee Curtis. There were a couple of others that, made some comments of we'll see you again or, you know, something God-related, things like that. Kirstie Alley, I think at one point, was a Scientologist. But for the background here, Kirstie Alley was very forthcoming in the mid-2015s-ish that she had voted twice for Barack Obama. And one of the biggest concerns that she had in America today was not necessarily racism, but the plight of black Americans, that they don't do as well as Americans of other ethnic backgrounds. And she was very concerned. And she came out in 2015 and 2016 and said, look, I gave Obama eight years. I voted for him twice. I thought he was going to fix lives for African-Americans or at least advance lives for African-Americans. And he failed miserably. I'm going the other way and I'm voting for Trump. And when she said this, all hell broke loose. And she would later retract that but it didn't matter. A few years after that, she then admitted I did vote for Trump because she was under such fire in Hollywood from so many people. So as you watch all of these people take a beloved figure, a beloved Midwestern figure, and most of the so many of the most beloved Hollywood figures in America throughout our history are from the Midwest. People that had Midwestern sensibilities that, that we somehow just magically identify with and say, well, that's a quality person, or that's a person we like. There's a likability factor there of this person from the Midwest that doesn't really exist with somebody from New Jersey. Americans see that. They identify with that. And so I felt like a lot of stars lined up to kind of piggyback on Kirstie Alley's Midwestern sensibilities and popularity when she died. And I could be reading too much into this, but I'm going to pick on one person here in particular. But there, there were others. There were other things that were tweeted out that didn't seem right. They were maybe references to Scientology or God, or I, I don't know how complicated all that is. But Kirstie Alley, after she supported, supported Donald Trump, I think probably felt like a pariah in Hollywood. And you can only imagine what that would be like. Jamie Lee Curtis and her shared a stage, shared a, a show, and apparently were very good friends. And I also want to say that, that at times, I've been guilty of this. I've mentioned people that I'm good friends with or relatives that I'm good friends with and, and will mention, oh, you know, they're liberal, but man, they're just a really good, solid person, whatever. I've said that about people. But I don't think in their passing, my public statement would say something like Jamie Lee Curtis. And I don't, I don't think Jamie Lee Curtis has any idea what she did. 
as she was writing basically a love letter and a tribute to her friend, Kirstie Halley, she just had to put in there, we agreed to disagree on so many things, but I loved her so much. And the only thing you can take from that is Jamie Lee Curtis is selfish and arrogant. And even in the death of a friend, she is protecting herself in Hollywood to let everyone know, yes, this was my friend. I'm really sorry she died, but I sure didn't agree with her when it came to politics. I can't even imagine something like that in someone's death. And I truly feel sad for people like Jamie Lee Curtis who do things like that because they don't know what they're doing. All Jamie Lee Curtis is trying to do is protect herself with the Hollywood establishment and let people know that, look, I liked Kirstie. You know, we agree. We had these discussions. You know, we didn't agree on everything. We sure agreed to disagree. But, man, she was a great person. Maybe not the time to prop yourself up and let others know that you're a committed liberal. I think that's sad. Kirstie Alley provided me with great entertainment and all of us with great entertainment. The show was spectacular. Everybody in America watched it. There really is nothing comparable today. We have all these hit shows like even Yellowstone. People talk about Yellowstone and 17 million viewers or something. This was ridiculous. This was up in the 40s. 40, 40, 50 million people would watch Cheers every week and people would watch it live. You know, and then they, they eventually wound up calling Thursday night must-see TV Jerry Seinfeld. Seinfeld show was the uh, and friends were big on that night. NBC owned the sitcom world for a long, long time, and they had tens of millions of viewers, and they were massive hit shows. And I can't differentiate a lot between Friends, Seinfeld, Cheers. We can ask ourselves, what was the last great sitcom? Well, the last great sitcom probably with monster numbers was Two and a Half Men. It's been gone for quite some time. It was dead its last few years without Charlie Sheen. There are sitcoms out there, and they're all niche programs now. They, don't, they just don't get the viewers they used to get. But the sitcom was America. It was everything all in one. I, I actually had a class in college. This would have been about 1984 or so. Cheers would have been about two years in, three years in. We had a radio and television class where we studied the American sitcom. And a lot of it had to do with the Mary Tyler Moore show, All in the Family, MASH, shows that had been on prior to then. And the impact they had on American society for taking on things in the Mary Tyler Moore show, in the case of women in the workplace, all in the family with Archie Bunker basically being a bigot uh, or uh, a lovable bigot because he was a very popular character. People liked Archie Bunker. They were just showing America things that weren't right through Archie Bunker. And then MASH was very funny, but showed all of America the horrors of war. These were very popular sitcoms, and we literally studied them in college. Maybe we shouldn't have been, maybe we, whatever. They were in the textbook. And Cheers kind of got away from that. Cheers was one of those shows that just, it, was, it was fluffy. It wasn't about much. It was about relationships of the people in the bar. It was about people having fun, having a good time. It was also the beginning of what we would now call sports bars, where people would hang out and watch sporting events. They had very small TVs and Cheers. But occasionally there was a game on. Sam Malone, the lead character, was a former pitcher for the Red Sox. So there, were, there was a theme to this and things that were going on in America. And I just remember the show vividly. I've not watched an episode in years. I don't know where to find them. I suspect we'll see some of them come back. But it was, it was tremendous. 
was a very, very, very good show at the right time in a time and place where Ronald Reagan was president. American greatness was returning. We were coming back from the Carter years and everything in America in the 80s seemed right. And Kirstie Alley was a big part of that. And God bless her and her family. I don't know anybody that knew she was sick. When we heard the news on Monday, we're like, what? Kirstie Alley's dead at 71. The first thing you think of is overdose or something like that. But apparently she had a very short bout with cancer. Uh, I've not seen what kind it was, but sometimes these cancer things just pop up and, and weeks or just a few short months later, your life is over. So live every day. Kirstie Alley would want it that way, and she will be missed. Okay, on to some politics here. The Republican National Committee probably needs a new leader, Ronna McDaniel. I think a lot of people see as a failure at this point. Harmeet Dillon is a lawyer who's been spending the last couple of years running around trying to find election fraud everywhere in America, which is noble work. Harmeet Dillon is very smart. She's a first-generation immigrant. She's a lawyer. She's really good about an election integrity. She understands exactly what the Democrats do. She knows how they harvest these votes, how they get them in weeks in advance, how they are able to flood the system with these votes. There's a lot to like about Harmeet Dillon. You may or may not know her. She's the ugly sweater lady that you saw with uh, Carrie Lake's campaign. She was working with Carrie Lake in Arizona. You've seen her in Georgia and Pennsylvania going in trying to find election fraud after the elections. She's a lawyer. She's a scholar. She understands all this stuff. She's very smart. She says all the right things. On Monday night, she declared on Tucker Carlson that she is going to try to become the chair of the Republican National Committee. She believes it is time for a new Republican Party based on populist candidates where we talk about our message and do not react to Democrats. We don't react to their insults. We don't defend ourselves. We ignore them. We go forth and we tell people what we're about. It all looks and sounds great. I'm not saying I'm completely against her or I think she'll fail. But I have to ask one simple question because this all looks like something most of this audience would say, yes, get her in there, get Ronna McDaniel out. Let's go do this. This is a conservative. This is a populist. This is a first-generation immigrant. This is a smart woman. She's a lawyer. She understands what the Democrats have been doing. What she wants the party to be sounds like what we want the party to be. All of that is true. But after covering sports for 36 years, I have a, I have a nose for something that kind of smells fishy. What has Harmeet Dillon accomplished? What has she won? What does she have on her resume that says, oh, yeah, put her in charge. We'll win now. She's run around and become famous. Mostly off election fraud. Carrie Lake's campaign. She was in Arizona the entire time. Six weeks up to the election, Harmeet Dillon was the person on the ground monitoring everything going on in Maricopa County in Phoenix, Arizona, to make sure that this election was legit and Katie Hobbs didn't win and Carrie Lake did. And what happened? Carrie Lake lost. I think it begs the question because a lot of people look at Harmeet Dillon and go, yeah, we really like her. She's no nonsense and she is tough and she is a fighter. She's everything you kind of would want, except she's never won. Would you hire a head football coach for your football team? 
that's been out there coaching that you like. You've seen the rah-rah speeches on Twitter. You know, you've seen the news conferences. You've won the day. You've done all these other things. Everything makes sense. The, the person was a good football player, a pedigree, has worked with great coaches, but has never won. Who hires that football coach? What football coach gets hired after losing? I Again, I'm not making a comment that she's the end of the world awful or would run the RNC into the ground. I'm certainly not going to endorse her today and say that I think she's great. It looks good on paper, except for the only thing that matters, and that's Harmie Dillon has never won. Everywhere we've sent her, she has failed. There have been no convictions on election fraud. There have been no overturned elections. Her sole singular job of this election cycle was to take maybe the best candidate in America, Carrie Lake, and win the election, and they couldn't do it. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Shoot me an email on that one. I'm curious because I do think she's popular, and I do think people like her. But, man, if you've never won anything, is that the person you want running your team? Oof. Oh, here's a crazy one. I mean, this is just bonkers. We got two stories here with 16 and 17-year-olds. You couldn't be at opposite ends of the spectrum, and they're both coming in Democrat cities. Democrats can't figure out who and what they are. In Boston, they have decided they want 16-year-olds to vote. So they want to expand the electorate, and this will there will be an attempt now to make this national. Trust me. If anything, it should be going the other way. You should have to be 21 to vote. If anything. Young people's, as, as Rush Limbaugh used to say, young people have uh, skulls full of mush. Their brain is a skull full of mush. Your brain isn't fully developed until you're 25 years old. That's fact. That's scientific. Don't follow the science. Scientific fact. But in Boston, they want to lower the age. Well, you know why. There's be more Democrat votes. I think, if anything, we should raise the age to 21. I think it, would, it, it makes a lot of sense. I think a lot of things in this country probably should be 21. You don't drink until you're 21. There's all kinds of things you can't do until you're 21. But you can vote at 18. We want to make it 16 because, you know, elections aren't that important because these are just Democrat votes. We just want these Democrat votes. Anything that allows Democrat votes, we're in on. Puerto Rico becoming a state, let's do it. More Democrat votes. At the same time, Boston is lowering the voting age. This this is the city of Boston. Is lowering the voting age to 16. The city of Philadelphia, not far away, Northeast Corridor, there's some similarities. They're very different cities, but there's some similarities. They're both big-time liberal bastions. Philadelphia has had a temporary curfew of 10 p.m., for citizens of Philadelphia under the age of 18. So 10 p.m. curfew is a minor. You can't be out anywhere in Philadelphia after 10 o'clock. Now, are there two more opposite ends of the spectrum? These stories were reported on the same day. On the same day. Boston says it wants 16-year-olds to vote. Philadelphia says 16-year-olds got to stay home after 10 o'clock. We're passing laws to keep 16- and 17-year-olds in bed at 10 o'clock, while Boston is passing laws for them to be able to vote. That's under the heading, you can't have it both ways. I mean, you seriously cannot even remotely think of these things and have them both ways. KKHI is brought to you by Window World, simply the best for less. Free estimate, free analysis, 0% financing, American-made windows, siding, and doors with a lifetime warranty. Your official window of the Kansas City Chiefs are online at Windows. 
kansascity.com. Call 816-799-0820. Anywhere in Kansas, Missouri, or Iowa, Window World is there for you. Simply the best for less. Roberts Robinson and robertsrobinson.com. Chevrolet Buick GMC and Excelsior Springs. Part of the Good Samaritan Center gift card and toy drive. That's the drop-off location in Excelsior Springs, 1501 Kearney Road. We would love it if you had unopened toys, gift cards, or cash donations at the dealership in Excelsior Springs. Go on by there. You don't live far from there. There's plenty of you don't live far from there. Make a donation. Unopened toy, gift card, or cash. Good Samaritan Center gift card and toy drive runs through December 19th. Or you can mail your donation to Roberts Robinson, 1501 Kearney Road, Excelsior Springs, Missouri, 64024. And if you're considering new tires, they got 100 bucks off right now. Just go there, get some new tires, make the donation, get the tires put on, $100 off, new tires, and donate the $100 to Good Samaritan Center. How about that idea right there? Beautiful idea at Roberts Robinson in Excelsior Springs. And, of course, Dr. Bill Bush and his team at North Kansas City Dental, your new dentist. Everybody's making the switch. So many of you are. So many of you don't really know your dentist. You're like, ah, oh, this is where I go. It's close to my hand. I can't be the only one. And so you're like, okay, this guy's, this guy's your dentist for life. This will be your last dentist. Dr. Bill Bush, he's an award-winning dentist. He speaks all over the country about high-tech dentistry. He's also the dentist to the Chiefs players. He's Patrick Mahomes' dentist. That's good enough for me. NKCDental.com. Offices just north of the river at uh, Armour and Swift and in Westwood, just by the plaza. 816-471-2911, online at NKCDental.com. Remember when I said if you were voting in the election last month, um, fire them all except Stigall? This was the Supreme Court justices running uh, in the state of Kansas. Not really running. Should they be retained is the question. And I said, fire them all except Stigall. Well, Stigall won. He, he was retained. And he's in the news this week. Actually, this was last week. I think this came out. Caleb Stigall is a conservative justice on the Kansas Supreme Court. He's an adjunct professor at the University of Kansas, and he has resigned that position. He's going to finish out the term, but that's it. A speaker from the Federalist Society was coming to KU. This is a conservative group. And the KU Law School, of which Justice Stigall is part of as an adjunct professor, labeled the guest speaker from the Federalist Society as hate speech and flagged the event for the Federalist Society members at the University of Kansas. There are law students at KU that are conservative. They're part of the Federalist Society. They're bringing a national renowned speaker in, and the university labeled this as hate speech. Caleb Stigall wrote a scathing six-page letter to the university resigning, basically saying, this university has lost its way. You people are crazy. This is not hate speech in any way. And that this university should be a forum for ideas. They responded by saying, we appreciate your service to the university. Your comments are taken more seriously than you probably believe, and we'll look into it, and yada, yada, yada. Caleb Stigall, the one that we wanted to retain, should run for governor. 
I'd vote for Caleb Stegall right now. I couldn't pick Caleb Stegall out of a lineup, but I can tell you right now, we knew this was the most conservative justice on the Kansas Supreme Court, and now we know what this man is all about, resigning a sweet, cushy job, let's be honest. A cushy, sweet deal as an adjunct professor at the University of Kansas Law School resigned because they have labeled a Federalist Society speaker speech hate speech. That's a person of principle. We need more of that. That is a fading thing in the United States. I mean fading fast. Another lawyer of substance is Missouri Attorney General Eric Schmidt, who has lawsuits against the Biden administration and the government about a a wide variety of things. He's been on them about the border, but also big tech. Josh Hawley's been involved in this. The Missouri senators are really big on the big tech thing. Eric Schmidt is now making waves. He hasn't even gotten into the Senate yet, and he's making waves about the information that he has about the federal government and the FBI working with the biggest companies in the world, having weekly meetings as part of the Elon Musk Twitter files that have been out. In these stories, Eric Schmidt appears to be poised on the front end of this, that he knew some of this information, and it's part of his lawsuits that they want to get to trial. So Eric Schmidt, I I don't know how this is going to work. I'm not familiar enough with the processes on once he becomes a senator, does he drop these lawsuits and someone else takes it over, or does he stay on as he's no longer the Missouri Attorney General? Does he hand it off to the new attorney general? I'm not sure I know exactly how this works, but Eric Schmidt is, is the man. And this guy's this guy's a roll-up-your-sleeves-go-get-him-kind of guy. And, I, and unfortunately, right now, our best recourse for any of these things in the United States, or even on a local level, is in courts. Unfortunately, that's because we're not winning the ballot box, and I have almost no hope that Herschel Walker is going to beat Raphael Warnock in Georgia on this Tuesday. I think he's going to lose that seat, and the Democrats will have the Senate 51 to 49, they'll actually get a pickup in this midterm election in the Senate, which is just unthinkable. So we have to rethink how we're doing things. But a lot of news going on in Missouri and Eric Schmidt making news before he even gets to the Senate. One of the other things going on in Missouri right now is a massive push from local politicians to get sports betting passed. There are Republicans and Democrats alike all saying the same thing, that they hear from their constituents, we are sick of driving to Kansas City to place our sports bets. We don't want to cross the border. We're going over into Pittsburgh, Kansas. We're driving over to Fort Scott from Nevada. We're going over to uh, Merriam from Kansas City. We're going over to Leewood from Lee Summit. We're making this drive. We're driving across the border in St. Joe. We're going across the river and we're placing our bets. And so there's a massive push. It's a reactionary push in Missouri which is weird because Missouri did the marijuana thing before Kansas. I guess it's all just priorities. I don't really know. Kansas has blown the sports gambling thing. It's going well for the betters. It's fine for the consumer, but they're not making any money. They, their setup was so bad. Missouri actually is going to benefit from waiting. They're going to look at Kansas and see all the mistakes Kansas made. And while they've got a little bit of mayhem as elected officials, they're hearing from people that are upset that they have to go to Kansas to vote, to, to bet. And by the way, there were $350 million worth of bets in Kansas in the first two months. That's insane, folks. That's what? 350 million votes? I'm sorry, bets? $350 million worth of bets in two months? That's crazy. $650,000 a day or something bet on sports in Kansas? And it's just getting started. So Missouri has seen this. They've actually seen data that shows how many people have attempted to log on in Missouri and try to bet and can't because they see all these ads and try to do it. They're like, we're just blowing this. 
If Kansas did $350 million in two months, Missouri will double that. With Kansas City and St. Louis and the population of Missouri, they're going to double that. You're looking at maybe $350 million a month in September, the first week of the NFL season. And Missouri will set this up to where there are better tax, better revenue for them. Kansas blew it. They're a bunch of idiots with their hand in the cookie jar, and you, you know the, the grift. Missouri should learn from Kansas and do much better and make more money doing this. But it's on, and then apparently it's a, it's a really big push right now. A lot of politicians in Missouri going, wait a second, I could lose my next election if we don't get this passed. My people are so upset. I'm not, I, don't, I don't doubt that. I, don't, I just don't doubt that at all. All right, before we get to sports, I want to thank our friends Cross Kitchens KC for being podcast sponsors, family-owned and operated in Belton, Missouri. If you're considering any kind of a countertop replacement, floor refinishing, remodeling, busting out a wall, redoing your house, they'll do it all. CrossKitchensKC.com. They're not just kitchens. They love remodeling bathrooms, man caves, anything that needs a refurb at your house, Cross Kitchens can do. Call Tim Cross today and set up an appointment. 816-898-7047. He looks a little bit like Luke Bryan. He's got, he's got a micro farm. That's where he lives. He is conservative through and through, and his crew has been with him for years. These are the folks to use. CrossKitchensKC.com. Advanced medical imaging in Lawrence. Why wait to see what's inside? Whether you need an MRI or a CT scan, or you just want to get a heart scan to get your plaque score, that's out of pocket under 100 bucks. You can do that at advanced medical imaging. Log on to medimageks.com. That's medimageks.com or call 785-856-0224. Sometimes your doctor is going to tell you to go get a scan. It's going to take you two weeks or longer in your insurance chain. doesn't matter. Medimageks.com will take your insurance as well. They'll get you in today or tomorrow. Why wait? See what's inside now online at medimageks.com. And as always, all of our sponsors are at the KK list. If you're if you'd never get a chance to write a phone number down or a web address or whatever it may be, go to you want to support a sponsor of the podcast, go to thekklist.com. Thekklist.com. T H E K K L I S T, the KK list. The kklist.com. They're all right there and there's additional sponsors there that are not a part of the podcast that have been vetted by us that are good conservative businesses that you can trust and you'll want to do business with. Great folks that we know, they're all at thekklist.com. Good resource. Some of you have gone there and said, I don't really see this exact thing. And send me an email. I'll explain it and say, yes, this company can do that as well. That's kind of a cool part of, of what the KK list is. So be engaged. And thank you, any of you that even remotely consider supporting one of the sponsors. Thank you and God bless you. Appreciate that. It's only keeps the podcast going. So we like that aspect of it. So there was outrage over the weekend over a 19-year-old American soccer player named Ricardo Pepe. He's from El Paso, Texas. And he's a striker, and he's really good. He's a pro. He's played 92 games as a pro. He's got 30 goals. Greg Berhalter, the coach of Team USA, the U.S. men's national team, decided not to take the 19-year-old Ricardo Pepe onto his team. Again, this was a very young team. Ricardo has clearly got a future on this team, but he's 19 this time around. And they kept him at home, and he did not make the team. He was seen wearing a Netherlands jersey celebrating the Netherlands' victory over the United States 
on a pole like you would see a stripper on, and he wasn't climbing it in sexually suggestive ways. He was just kind of hanging on to it and sort of dancing wearing the Netherlands jersey. And there was an outrage initially from this, and I saw it, and I thought, wow, okay, that stinks. And I didn't do anything on it when I first saw it, and I waited, and we have now gotten more information about Ricardo Pepe, and this is why it's very important to not react. See, the Democrats use this to their advantage always. They put a story out there, they develop a narrative, and whether it's true or not doesn't matter. They get it out there and people see it and they believe it, and then it never goes away. So a lot of people are always going to hate Ricardo Pepe for seeing this, and it turns out he plays, his professional team is in the Netherlands. The United States was playing the Netherlands. Ricardo Pepe plays in the Netherlands. He's still in the Netherlands because he's not on the U.S. team. Yeah, he was snubbed. He didn't make the team, and he was probably really disappointed. He had a bet with his teammates from the Netherlands that the U.S. would win. And the bet was, if you lose, you got to put the jersey of the other team on and dance. He danced for two seconds, folks. This young man grabbed that pole and went, da, 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 and he took it out, and he ripped off his jersey, and he was done. He didn't have that jersey on a minute. This was a lost bet, apparently. Pretty harmless in the grand scheme of things. I don't hold a 19-year-old to a standard of, hey, you're 19, you shouldn't be able to have a bet with your teammates, a friendly bet with your teammates to do something like this because it could cause uproar in the United States. I don't think you're 19, you have to be thinking that. I'm sorry, when you're 19, you should be playing soccer and having fun with your teammates. I, now, there, if there's more to this story, if we learn more, if I learn more about Ricardo Pepe, I'll pass it along. But come on, the instant reaction that this guy is some kind of a anti-American loser, I just can't, I can't go there. I can't go there. And it turns out that he did this as part of a bet. So I don't have, I just don't have any hate for the guy. I can't drum up any hate. And it, it looks like, you know, the World Cup's weird. It, you know, the Olympics is so guarded. Like everything is so perfect in the Olympics. Every person, we have this backstory and they're so wonderful and every country is great and the world is together and we all love each other. Boy, it seems like when the World Cup comes around, there's a lot of hate in this. That there's a lot of division. Countries don't like other countries. Politics comes out. Treatment of women and minorities and, and religious groups comes out. Everything comes out. And everybody's looking to blame something or be negative about something. Why is that? Why, what, I, what's the basis of the term so soccer hooligans? Why are there so many riots at soccer matches around the world? This, is, this has something to do with this sport, folks. The World Cup is different than the Olympics, and it really shouldn't be that different. If we get together for the Olympics every four years and kumbaya is the theme, why is the World Cup one dagger after another at each other? The World Cup is not bringing the world together. Let's make no mistake about this. That's one of their slogans. The World Cup brings the world together. What's coming to Kansas City is division and hatred. And we could see all kinds of problems. We get the wrong two teams. I'm not kidding. We get the wrong two teams playing at Arrowhead. We could have violence and riots and all kinds of things in Kansas City. We don't know what's going to happen. It's an unknown. I know this. This isn't the Olympics. Now, the Olympics to me is fake. At least this is real. All credit the World Cup. This is real. This is real humans. There's a lot of hatred in the world. There's a lot of people want to point out that it sucks living in Iran. I get it, man. I'm okay. I actually think the World Cup is more honest that way than the Olympics. I'm, I'm crediting the World Cup here, but this thing's coming to Kansas City in four years. 
and we get the wrong two teams here, <laughs> who knows what's going to happen? You bring in 25,000 fans each from two countries that hate each other. Oh, my. Ooh. I have no idea. Maybe it'll be easy. Maybe we'll get the U.S. and England. No problem. We'll just sip some tea, and it will all be good. I don't know, but the World Cup, uh, it's, uh, it's amazing how many negative stories have come out around the World Cup. My buddy T.J. Vilkanskis is a developer. He's a real estate developer, and that's a big, broad area. And real estate development is an important facet of many of our lives. Whether you're building a home like we recently did, or if you want to start some sort of a commercial project, whether it be condominiums, apartment buildings, commercial property, Back Nine Development is an unbelievably great company. This is a salt-of-the-earth solid guy that absolutely knows what he's doing. If you're even remotely inquisitive about developing or building something, have a piece of land, have an idea, take a look at the portfolio at back9development.com and see if they might be a fit for your dream, whether it's your home or your business. Back9development.com. It's the numeral nine. Back9development.com or call TJ at 785-236-0161. The Finch Knife Company, online at finchknifeco.com and in Shields, where apparently many of you have visited and said, I want to see those Finch Knives. Spencer sent me a wonderful email, said that they keep selling out at Shields. That's awesome. I keep pushing Shields because it's a great conservative American company. They're not a sponsor of this podcast, but when you have a Reagan statue outside your business, that's pretty much all the endorsement I need to shop there. So you want to see the Finch Knives in person? Go to finchknifeco.com online, order them that way. They'll ship them anywhere in the world or visit Shields in Overland Park. Keep life getting from getting dull this holiday season. Make it a wonderful gift for someone special in your life with a Finch pocket knife, finchknifeco.com. And of course, our friends at Advantage Termite and Pest Control online at AdvantageTPC.com. Been talking a lot about them lately. You know the drill. Only company I've ever used. I'd make the switch next year. Now's the time to set up all your services for next year. Advantage can do all your pest control. They can even do your lawn care. I've been with them for over 20 years. Advantage Termite and Pest Control. AdvantageTPC.com, 913-768-8989. Awesome stuff. Tom Brady had a big comeback on Monday night, Monday Night Football. And I really want to, I got a lot of great things to say about Tom Brady. I wanted to tweet out, it wouldn't have aged very well, during the game on Monday night. If it's no fun to watch Tom Brady play, how fun can it be Tom Brady to be playing? Because he just looked miserable for three hours. And then I don't know where they won the game, and I really want to credit Brady, but I can't. He got really mad at his teammates. They're down, what, 16-3. to three. The game is lifeless. They're at home. They've done nothing all night. It's awful. They're on this really sad-looking drive with four minutes to go, down 13, that basically gets to about midfield or just finally crosses midfield, but they're using a lot of time. They're throwing short of the marker. It doesn't look great. And he heaves one to the end zone, and they call pass interference in the end zone. And Brady gets it at the one. And they score a touchdown. And now there's life in this game. And they don't kick the onside kick, which I probably would have done. They said, we'll stop him. We have three timeouts. We'll get it back. But I've always said, why not try the onside kick? Because if you don't get him, you still have to stop him. 
You still have to use your timeouts. You still have to get the ball back. Those things are all true. So I never understand why you don't go ahead and try the onside kick. They didn't. Didn't matter. Didn't matter. They get the stop. They get the ball back. Brady goes down and scores. The Saints are mismanaging the clock. There's a minute to go or something. This, and, and the Bucs are like the, inside the 20. The clock's just running. Tampa's running the football. They're, they're chewing clock so they can go down and get four shots at the end zone and end the game. They're managing the clock. So New Orleans isn't calling any timeouts. And I'm hollering at the TV, timeout, timeout, timeout. Slow them down. Your defense is back on your heels. They're tired. It was all just awful. And Brady throws the, uh, gets the touchdown there and wins the game. And it was the biggest comeback ever. That Tampa has been, it's been 100 million years. Since Tampa's been down 13 in the fourth quarter and won a game, there were some records set, but they're lame records. I'm not going to, whatever. And I'll give Brady credit. When it was over, he came in and made a joke with the media and said, hey, just like we drew it up on the board. And everybody laughed. But I got to tell you this. This comeback, this wasn't Joe Burrow. This wasn't Patrick Mahomes. This wasn't Josh Allen. This was Tom Brady, and that's nice. And they don't generally beat the Saints. The Saints are kind of a nemesis of theirs. But he got an unbelievable gift from the referees. Really poor coaching by the Saints. I, I just, I felt like, I mean, if you watch this thing, maybe some of you did, some of you didn't. I felt like I could have done it. There was nothing special about any of it. It was a gift. It was the opponent melting down, falling apart in every possible way. And maybe that's harsh. Tom Brady is the GOAT. I'll compliment him. He's the greatest quarterback of all time. He's obviously got scoreboard and wins and everything else. But it is amazing how many times I watch Tom Brady win a game and go, man, that was the other team screwing up. Do you remember D Ford lining up offsides? That led to Brady in a Super Bowl. Kept the Chiefs out. Dumb play. Brady threw the interception to lose the AFC Championship game. He threw the interception. Charvarius Ward picks it off. There it is. Brady throws the interception to lose the AFC Championship game. D. Ford had his hand on the line. They get another play. They wind up winning the game. I, look, I like Tom Brady. I, it just, it's not fun to watch him play. I don't look forward to any Tampa games. I don't. It's not interesting. It's not fun. Maybe the Chiefs, the Bengals, the Bills, the Dolphins, some of these teams spoil us, even the Eagles, Cowboys. Maybe those six teams just spoil us. But I don't look forward to watching Tom Brady's team play. They were lifeless all night. He looked like a tired old man. Nothing, it, just, it was awful. It was just awful all night long. It really was. And then they win in the end because what? The Saints are inept? Oof. Anyway, hate to end on a negative like that, but I think you probably agree with me that it just something about Tom Brady doesn't look particularly right. It doesn't look spot on. I don't think they're a factor. I don't think there's any way that Tampa team is making a deep run in the playoffs. I've seen some reactions after the game. Oh, Tom Brady just relit the entire season for Tampa. They're going to play great now. Well, nobody's any good in that division. And there's good teams in the NFC. Like the Niners can really play defense. They're really good defensively. I mean, what's Tom Brady going to put on the board against them? The Eagles and Cowboys are just flat out better. Tampa's the kind of team that it looked to me like they played Washington in the postseason they'd lose. So I'm not expecting much more out of Brady, and then we'll wait to see if this is the end or if he just wants to keep going and keep setting records. Okay, that's it for this episode of KKHI. If you'd like, if you're a patron of KKHI, or if you're not, if you're not, 
we'd love you to become a patron. We do about three patron podcasts a week and then the newsletter every week. It's only $5 a month. We'd love it if you join and support the podcast. Maybe ask for it for Christmas this year. Say, I'd like to have a patron membership and sign it up. And there you go, $5 a month and you're on board as a patron. If you're already a patron and you know somebody that might be interested in becoming a patron, mention it to them. Let them know it's the holiday season. It's okay to ask their wife. Many people have canceled their patron memberships and I understand it. And I'm totally good with it. By the way, I'm totally good with it. Only do this if you want to do it. Don't let me talk you into it. If you think it's something that you might enjoy, we'd love to have you on board because I'm just, I'm just a guy that the more people that hear or read the content, that's what I do it for. I often write the newsletter and wish I could send it to everybody and just put it on social media and everything else. I wish I could do that, but it's for the patrons. That's what it's designed for. So I'd love for more people to read it and more people to see it. That ultimately is the goal of anyone who broadcasts or writes or whatever you want an audience So I'd love it if more people would sign up and be part of this to get the content that I'm creating each week. I'd love that. So if you know somebody you think might like it, let them know, hey, tell your spouse, sign me up for this for Christmas, will you? It's $5 a month. You can come right out of your debit card. It's good to go. And we'll get you that content. We'd love to have you on board as a new patron of Kevin Keatsman as issue. Short of that, just tell somebody about the podcast this holiday season when you're around them or at your office parties or whatever, wherever you're talking politics or sports or chiefs or entertainment, let them know about the podcast and say, go find it and then hit that like, follow, or subscribe button. That's absolutely free. We'd love to have them on board as we're getting close to 25,000 daily followers of Kevin Keatsman as issues. Thanks for listening to Kevin Keatsman Has Issues, presented by Roberts Robinson Chevrolet Buick GMC. To get exclusive patrons-only podcasts, receive a weekly newsletter, and attend in-person patrons-only parties, visit kkhasissues.com and become a patron today. This has been a production of Crooked Tail Media Incorporated. Ah!